So that opportunity that comes from conflict is an opportunity to learn something with our heads, but also to stop and to learn with our hearts, mm. have the learn grace, learn mercy, and then frankly, just learn the fact, and this is really important for this day and age, I think we need to learn that people are different than we are. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Oh boy, we've got a jam-packed podcast for you today. Christy Griffith is back with part three of her podcast on personalities and family dynamics. Today, she's going to talk about the importance of honesty and not just shallow honesty, but deep, deep honesty with ourselves and with God. And she's going to talk about what do we do when we just don't get our kids? They are nothing like us and we just don't get them. She's also going to talk about how to respond to perfectionism and other motivations. And then lastly, you will want to listen to the end because she's going to talk about conflict and opportunity in conflict. So let's hop on in right now. So Christy, what are your goals for your kids spiritually and emotionally? And I know there are other goals too, but that we're not as concerned with in this particular hour. What are your goals? Well, I want them to never know a day they don't know and love the name of Jesus. Hmm. I want them to walk with him all the days of their lives. Mm -hmm. I want them to know him intimately. And honestly, that takes me being honest mm -hmm. and not just, I think the trips and their great teaching, Paul and Ted, when Ted wrote Shepherding a Child's Heart, that was the heart of that book, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, to really walk with your kids. And as Moses said in Deuteronomy, talking about the Lord while you're lying down, while you're walking in the way, while you're sitting down to dinner, in, in everything that we're doing, bringing the Lord into it, integrating him. Now, that doesn't mean we're hyper spiritual and now we can't go have fun and watch a movie together or do something secular. It's just living our lives with a biblical worldview and looking at things. You know, we've had some heavy conversations with our two teenagers lately about the things that are going on in the world mm -hmm. and being able to look at those things. Being a, We read a lot of secular literature. I, I'm not a purist at home in any regard, but being able to look at that literature and find God in it because this mm -hmm. is God's world. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to do anything outside of the purview of the God who made this world. Mm -hmm. We're fallen sinners. It's not going to look pretty, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's no extra rules that we can make up. So looking at, at everything through that now, emotionally and physically, I think we're all tied together, aren't we? Mm -hmm. I would like them to know what their propensities are. I would like them to know themselves. So that when a situation arises, they can take an honest look. What was my part in this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't give that person any grace at all because I was worried about how I was going to look. Yeah. Whatever that situation is. 
I want them to be able to be honest with themselves mm-hmm. about their part in a particular situation. So, so that they can come to repentance, so that they can know that they're, yes, we're fallen sinners. This is a little bit of an expansion, but we're fallen sinners, but we're, we're okay as God's children. We're in his hand and we just keep coming back to him with, with mm-hmm. that fallen nature, don't we? Mm-hmm. So the decisions that they make, the emotional connections that they have with people, I would love for those to be healthy and honest because they're not going to be perfect. And mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of unhealthy in mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. At, but being aware mm-hmm. of where those deficiencies are can then push us to Christ. Those are the things that we need. Mm-hmm to fall on Jesus. And those are the things that we need in order to be honest with other people mm-hmm. and honest with ourselves. So I think a healthy emotional person is not a happy person just to be mm-hmm. happy. Right. Because then you're leaving out other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our goal is to, to recognize where we can grow, to recognize where we've hurt other people, to recognize where we're telling lies to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Why am I saying I'm unloving? I'm not unloving. God loves me. Mm-hmm. So that's where I say we're okay. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really loved deeply by the God who made us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that should draw us into relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have for a long time felt that one of our deepest needs is to know the expansiveness of who God is. And when we're children, we hear Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for you. But as we get older, there are many, many, many more things that he is. For our kids to come to him is the first step, but then they need to acknowledge acknowledge who they're coming to and what he's done. That's sort of been my passion is get to know the God who made you. Yes, to know Christ and make him known, mm-hmm. to know God and make him known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a lifelong journey. That's not K through 12 right there. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Christy, I have talked to parents who say, I do not understand this kid. I don't understand how he thinks. I don't understand where he's coming from. He, I am nothing like he is. I just don't get him. And that sounds to me like a personality difference in a lot of senses. So what do you say to that parent? Yeah, great question, because we all have felt that way. Mm -hmm. Even if we're not parents, we have felt that way about someone in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I like to remind myself and my friends that your children are the children God gave you. You are the perfect parent Mm -hmm. for that child. That means that we have to be do a bit of detective work. We have to employ our powers of observation Mm -hmm. and just observe and watch where we see consistencies where we see inconsistencies what are the threads that are going through this child's behavior and their personality and how they respond to people how they respond to us how they respond to the world around them And my motto in life, honestly, has become remain curious. Mm. Remain curious. That's really good. Because from day to day, 
we're going to react differently. From day to day, we are going to grow. Wouldn't you love to be around people who just knew, wow, who who was Lori today? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great if your husband woke up every morning and said, wow, who is my wife today? <laughs> yeah. Let me be curious about her. <laughs> yeah. And instead, you know, we think of our spouse, oh, he always does that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jim never has another second cup of my coffee. You know, commercial. <laughs> Um, so remaining curious and observing, and then what you will begin to see is a thread of the motivation. Mm-hmm. What is their motivation? What are they motivated by? Are they motivated by shame and heart? The shame people are big hearts, by the way. Mm. They have really generous spirits. The fear people, are they motivated by, why are they anxious about that? Why are they worried about that? Why? Are they worried when they have a sad feeling? Something's absolutely wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I've got to fix that. I've got to, I got to go do something fun. I've got to, what is, what it, what are those propensities to be motivated by? And, and how do they respond? So when it's, when it's a personality entirely different than yours, and I would, I even look at why is it triggering me? I'm even curious about myself. So when I say remain curious, it's not just about other people. Mm-hmm. It's about myself. Huh? Why did I just react that way? Why did I get that jab in my stomach going? That really bugs me. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why did I have that melancholy feeling or that angry feeling? So being curious and I might find something in my past that has caused me now to react to you this way as if you're that person in my past that was somebody who triggered me Hmm, so it's an opportunity for me now these conflicts are not bad these Hmm. conflicts are because we're in a fallen world and we're finite we just can't Hmm. see beyond ourselves so that curiosity about ourselves and about our child is very helpful and then once we understand the motivation Once I understand, oh, my kid is not just a little brat. You know what? He's really embarrassed right now. Mm -hmm. He's feeling a lot of shame Mm -hmm. and thinking that people don't like him. Now I can put my arm around him and just sit with him while he stews a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about that and we can talk about what happened. I can show him the love of God. I can mirror that to him, but I can also remind him through scripture. I can remind him not everybody treats you that way. Not everybody feels that way about you. Mm -hmm. This person is different than you. They have a different perspective Mm -hmm. than you do. And I think, you know, for my oldest who perfectionism is a thing and I don't mean perfectionism like, wow, look at his room is clean. No, (laughs) not that kind of perfectionism but that need to be right. He needs my grace and mercy more than any other ones of my kids. Hmm. He needs the grace because he needs to know he's okay, even when he's wrong. He needs that grace and mercy. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, You said something a minute ago about conflict not being a bad thing conflict being a good thing. And I really loved it. Being a person who all my life has not been able to face conflict. I mm-hmm. I was always a pleaser. And when I get in conflict, I resort to tears. I am starting to realize that conflict 
is not even bad. Conflict is opportunity. Would you like to talk a little bit about the opportunities of conflict? Oh my goodness. That is so great to see it that way. And I imagine for you, your need to keep the peace has caused you to avoid a lot of things about yourself and about other people. Yep. Yeah. Conflict, it, if we can separate ourselves, and again, I go back to my breath all the time now, Lori, because <laughs> I'm too old to fight through it now. My body doesn't want to do that anymore. So I just have to stop and breathe and pray. And then I can actually look objectively, objectively at this situation, what is happening. Well, these two children now, I have, we have a lot of conflict in our home with boys. Wow. Yeah. One of them just wants to be loved. And so he's angry that this one over here who just wants to be right, keeps telling him or treating him like he is wrong all the time. So both of them are kind of missing each other here. So it's an, for my older child, it's an opportunity for me to share the traits of someone that's different from him. You know, when you do that, when you say that to him, he hears this because all he wants to hear from you is, I'm happy you're here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's all he wants to hear. So that opportunity that comes from conflict is an opportunity to learn something with our heads, but also to stop and to learn with our hearts, mm. have the learn grace, learn mercy, and then frankly, just learn the fact, and this is really important for this day and age, I think we need to learn that people are different than we are. Mm -hmm. I am a different person than you are. I, I really, as hard as I try to stand in your shoes, I don't have your eyes to look through mm -hmm. and see. And that conflict draws us to the Lord, ultimately, he has already paid the price for the ultimate conflict, the conflict Ooh. of good and evil. Um, if we don't have conflict, oftentimes we don't talk deeply. Yeah. You know, we just stay on Ooh, the surface. That's good, Lori. So I think we need to have deep conversations, which only come through some form of conflict. That's usually. right. I mean, I, there are some that are able to talk deeply, but... Oftentimes, conflict will augment that. You go to that person's face to discuss the conflict and not oh. do it over text or email or something like that because it's just what you're saying. You've got to talk through it deeply. Mm -hmm. And I think our best friends and our deepest relationships with our spouses do come from those moments of having to talk, having to reason, having to listen to someone else and try to understand their point of view and even make changes, ask forgiveness, reconcile. And then all of a sudden you're more entwined with mm -hmm. that person. Right. It's a deeper relationship. Yeah. I've noticed oftentimes that we can be closer after an argument than we certainly were before the argument. Yeah. <laughs> so it does provide that that closeness. That's that's really excellent. That brings me on to another thought, which we really haven't talked about, um, but that's communication. How from early age, and then how does it change as they get older? Communication, I think, should start as infants. How, how do you see that? How do you see communication? I'm pretty sure you have thoughts on it. 
I do. And I wish I had known more when I birthed my babies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because they learn who they are by mirroring how you are looking at them mm -hmm. and responding to them. And isn't that fun when they're six weeks old and they, you get your first smile, you yeah. know, but yeah. you've been smiling at them all this yeah. time. They finally found their cheeks, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like they're looking in a mirror. And so our connection with them and our communication with them is nonverbal and it's verbal and it's the closeness that we have with that little child and then communicating with them boundaries. You know, there comes a point where they, you know, they're five months old and they start crawling away and then you got to communicate boundaries with them. So as they get older, um, you know, I'm not a big proponent of trying to make sure that little kids understand everything. You're just setting boundaries and you're being very specific mm -hmm. with them. You don't need to give them a lecture or an right. intellectual discussion about why, you know, dumping all the water out of the water bottles onto the floor is, you know, not a good idea. You just, <laughs> yes, you just deal very simply and quickly with that situation. And, you know, it, it's a growing process for all of us because I I was really a an anxious parent. I I had that need to be right too, mm -hmm. and that came out as frustration toward my children, mm -hmm. as anger at times, as fear, as melancholy and tears. <clears throat> like, what am I doing wrong? Because I wasn't trusting the Lord at those times or understanding what they needed. Came across as melancholy. It came across as anger. And frustration toward them and then all of a sudden they're feeling like it's their problem when simple direction and discipline if mm -hmm. necessary at the young age is very important mm -hmm. and then that trust begins to build with our children and communication now changes and turns into more discussion you're answering their questions about things you're meeting their needs physically and emotionally, and they're beginning to trust you more. Mm -hmm. So that communication with our children now continues to develop as their brain, you know, their brain synapses are not firing across the midline <laughs> of their brain synapses. Really until puberty, that's when it happens. So we're expecting a lot of them mm -hmm. by trying to explain and intellectualize things. Starting at about nine, it begins to start firing. But then when you've reached 12, 13, 14, they are argumentative. They are asking questions. They are challenging you. Well, why do I have to do that? Mm -hmm. So at that point, because I'm your mom and I've always told you what to do. That's why you have to do that. <laughs> well, perhaps that challenge now is an opportunity to ask them some questions. So I think oh. our communication, Lori, becomes now I have to learn to be an interrogator. I have to learn to ask good questions more than give answers, mm -hmm. more than give lectures, more than tell them they should know this thing and that thing. Mm -hmm. How about I ask questions about that? Well, what are you frustrated with, you know, having to take out the trash? Why is that frustrating you? I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. you may yeah. not ask questions for something as simple as that, but communication, now I'm gonna turn the table and start asking them some questions. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna draw out. 
I think it's Proverbs says that a wise man knows how to draw out the heart of a person mm -hmm. and draw the matters out of the heart. And we do that with questions. Yeah, that's excellent. And then sit still and be quiet for the answers. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's like we ask questions because <laughs> we want to say our opinion. I mean, I have done that in the past. You know, I ask a question. It's like, oh, good. Now it gives me a chance to tell you what I think. But sometimes <laughs> it's really hard, even if we don't agree with what our kids are saying, you know, to listen. Absolutely. To listen, to just sit still and listen. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So is this whole thing more about us growing and becoming more loving people and more... Mm -hmm. <laughs> More Christ-like? Is that what this is about, Lori? Is that what you're I, telling me? I think that's what life is about. <laughs> so we'll stop there. We have one more week with Christy, but I think we're going to push it out a few weeks and bring in another couple interviews and then come back to Christy. We have potty training coming up, and we have a professor from Pepperdine University talking to us about parenting difficult kids. So there's lots to come back for. So subscribe so you don't miss them. We will be back next week. And remember to rest in the Lord this week. Mm -hmm.